Uh, welcome to Grass Matters, the great southern podcast that you can hear from 2pm Thursday every week, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm James Fremantle, and this week our episode is on livestock nutrition. Our guest is Lockie McKenzie from McKenzie Ag Services, who's based in Western Victoria, um, and he's a nutritional consultant to Great Southern. Lockie, welcome to Grass Matters. Hi, James. Lockie, you've been involved with the Great Southern Program pretty much since its inception. Tell us a little bit about the background and your background and how they fit together. Yep, okay. So so I guess to kick off, um, my background has been in beef and lamb production and I, I have a property here at Ballarat and also we have a farm over near Hamilton, uh, just not far from Coleraine, uh, where we, we're, we're producers of beef and lamb on pastures, but we also have a um, uh, an intensive um, feeding system for finishing our livestock uh, in the times of the year when we can't do so on pasture. I've been in um, I've been in the agricultural space for uh, 25 years, and I've been in um, uh, I've been helping Great Southern uh, from a nutrition perspective uh, since its inception about eight years ago. So uh, I have a um, a background in animal nutrition. My business, uh, McKenzie Ag Services, is uh, predominantly working with beef and lamb producers to not only supply the, them with the required feeds. Um, we, we, that's that's our key business is uh, is feed supply into into beef and lamb producers, but also just as importantly, or possibly more importantly, um, ration formulation and just nutrition consulting, just to make sure that um, uh, my customers and uh, a lot of the time, Great Southern's customers are feeding the most appropriate feed for their um, individual situation in terms of the cattle that they're finishing at the location of their properties and the markets that they're targeting. It'd be fair to say there was a great deal of scepticism about the program when it was first mooted, uh, James, but I think it was, well, it's been going for a bit over eight years, so would have been nine or ten years ago it was first being um, discussed, and I guess the, the general consensus, to be to be frank, uh, across certainly across Victoria and Southern New South Wales, where I was heavily involved with it, was that this is um, this is something that Great Southern are asking the impossible. They're asking for pasture-fed cattle all year round in a environment where we only have pasture usually for a few months of the year. Um, so uh, back then, I was. Uh, heavily involved in a lot of on-farm consulting and so on, and and I I, I, uh, I spent a great deal of time with the team from Great Southern, speaking to producer groups uh, and visiting farms, and just looking at the different options that we could go through. And it'd be fair to say that what we're doing now is a fair bit different to what we were back then. So there was uh, a big push on five crops, for example, back then. The, um, uh, trying to expand, extend your season by growing uh, summer crops. So the idea was, the, the concept was that we'd we'd have this grass and pasture growing spring and then we'd go straight into fodder crops and rather than having three months of spring, we might have um, you know, five or six months of spring plus a summer crop. Well, well, that was okay except that quite often it didn't rain in the summer so the summer crops didn't work or even if they did work, there's still the other six months of the year that wasn't covered. And then we looked at using lucerne cubes at some stages and then um, people trying to feed palm kernel meals straight 
Um, and I'm just kind of thinking back to that because it was a fascinating time sort of seeing this new thing, um, this new program unfold. And I guess since then until now, we've, we've really worked, although, although I'm, uh, I'm not employed or work for Great Southern. I, uh, um, we share a lot of customers and and I've done a lot of consulting for Great Southern and their clients. So I've been on a number of different producers' properties where where there's a whole range of, of uh, different ways of trying to make this work in play. And we've just been able to, I guess, collectively um, get better at uh, not only identifying the nutritional requirements but then working out how to how they deliver those to the animal. Yeah, great. You, and, Lucky, you, you don't work just exclusively in, in Western Victoria, do you, with producers? No, no. We have, uh, we have clients pretty much from southern Queensland down to Tasmania and, and into South Australia. So our, uh, our clients are not only beef producers, we've got a lot of lamb producers as well. Um, but the, the, the great southern producers have become a – a bit dear to me, I guess, because I've 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 found the the whole program fascinating. And uh, you know, some people say, well, what you're trying to do here is 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 not uh, natural because you're trying to produce product without without using cereal grains in times of the year when there's no grass. But but my view is that there's nothing more natural. We're, we're the 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 product that's being produced is GMO free. It's um, it's unmedicated, no antibiotics, no antibiotics, no cereal grains. It's based purely on pastures or non-cereal uh, uh, supplements, and uh, and that's that's the challenge that I really enjoy being part of. And I take this opportunity to thank Great Southern for giving me a chance to be involved from the outset because it's been a really good journey. And and yeah, you know, the the I think the 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 future is very bright. Uh, we we're getting better at producing the product we're learning more about it um, the demands getting stronger and stronger for the product the premiums are there in the in the uh the off season if you like um and uh yeah it's sort of onwards and upwards now lucky we can't um, because we can't feed stock on grain to to finish them um, what are the alternatives what what sort of nutrition are we talking about well, I think I think most people that would be listening to to a speak, James, um, would be doing so because they're pasture producers. So uh, I won't go too much into the um, the grassland parameters, other than to say that you're spot on. The, the key thing is that the cattle have to be grain free for their entire life. So uh, there's some specific um, and very strict um, guidelines or or more than guidelines, I guess. There's, there's a there's a, a list of acceptable um, feeds under the program, and there's a list of feeds that aren't. And anything which is a grain or a grain derivative, uh, I want to say grain, a cereal grain. So uh, no wheat, barley, oats, maize, those uh, cereals, to, uh, rice. They're all uh, they're all not allowed in the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the conversely there's a, a list of feeds that are allowed to be fed so just i guess to name the common ones um most of the uh rations that we put together to assist our clients um to produce great southern's product um in the off season are legume based so we can use any legumes so uh lupins peas beans chickpeas lentils 
those grains, and we can use oil seeds or oil seed meals. So canola, soy, um, and so on. We can't use cotton because of the uh, GMO issues. So there's no cotton seed. Um, so we need to be GM GM free. So no genetically modified material, um, and we need to be uh, free of of any uh, cereal grains or their derivatives. So that's pretty much in a nutshell um, what we've got to work with. Now the the difficulty. Um, with this, with the, the the whole nutrition behind this program, and I guess this is this is the uh, the challenge to producers and to and to people like, like myself that assist with the rations is that traditionally when you put a a uh, a ration together or you formulate one for maximum production, you need a certain amount of starch, and starch is the is the I guess the most common um, and probably the most effective form of energy. So. Um, if you think of the protein, energy, vitamins and minerals, uh, fibre uh, requirements of a ruminant, um, with the energy, which is the building blocks for, for weight gain and growth, uh, what's what's required first and foremost, um, or, or sorry, what's what's used first first and foremost is a cereal grain for the starch. Now in this program we can't do that, so wheat, barley, oats, corn, um, certainly wheat, barley and corn anyway. Uh, have a high starch content, and when you choose to put a ration together, they can be used to quite simply um, provide the required um, energy from the starch base. So uh, with Great Southern, we need to use other commodities, and the the most common one that's used are legumes because they have a reasonable starch level um, higher than some of the oil seeds, and they don't have the high fat content um, which comes with the oil seeds. So we're regularly using faba beans and lupins and sometimes even lentils. Now, the, the, the issue with that, though, is that those those um, commodities are also very high in protein by, just by the very nature of being legumes. So when the nitrogen level is so high, it's sort of too high. So we need to somehow uh, formulate the ration to reduce the protein level. It's very inefficient to have surplus protein in a ration, so that needs to be balanced. And that's where we use other commodities such as almond hulls, for example, which are um, a byproduct from the almond industry. Uh, they have a very high um, digestible fibre level uh, compared to other feeds. And in and because of that, they have a high ME level or energy level. So it's quite unusual in Australia to have um, a fibrous product with a, with a reasonably high and useful energy content. Uh, most of our fibres in our country are high in cellulose or lignin, so they therefore have a low digestibility. And what that means is that when they're put into a ration, they they can um, dilute the energy content. Almond hulls are a bit unique. The fibre is digestible, and hence they have uh, an energy level of uh, around 10 megajoules of energy or sometimes even higher, but they have a very low protein level. So when when used, and I guess this is just an example I'm providing, but, but when used... Uh, in conjunction with one of these legumes, which uh, have a high energy level, a reasonable amount of, uh, of starch, but also excess protein or too much protein, the uh, the protein can be significantly diluted, um, but the energy isn't. So that's just, I guess, a couple of products that there are used. We also commonly use um, other allowable feeds, such as palm kernel meal, which is an imported product. Uh, um, uh, byproduct from the palm industry, uh, a lot of silage, a lot of homegrown uh, fodder, um, 
is and then of course depending on the quality of the pasture and and the pasture silage or cereal hay um veg hay lucent hay and so on depending on the quality and what's available we can then build a ration around to um to maximize the use of homegrown feeds and ensure that it's that the cost of gain the cost of putting kilos of weight on uh is kept at a minimum yeah it, it, there's a there must be a requirement for it, it sounds like there's a requirement for a lot of agility Lockie, it's, it's not sort of a set and forget. You you, you need to be um, um, adapting to each season and and the amount of grass you've got and all that too. And is there a, a lot of tweaking of the the diet as you go? And uh, how how do how do farmers manage that? Well, that's a, it's a good point, and I think that's one of the great things about this the program from my perspective. I, I, I love the uh, the, the challenge from the goalpost being continually moved with Great Southern. Um, so yeah. in a in a uh, in a, a traditional intensive feeding uh, system, uh, you know that you need to uh, sort of supply a certain number of megajoules of energy and a certain amount of protein and fibre, and it's it's um, a fairly straightforward calculator. And the the only change year in year out is the commodity prices. So. Um, good example is um, in a in a traditional system, when the spread between wheat and barley gets to where it is at the moment, um, mm. more producers will use barley. But that's not that doesn't apply with the Great Southern Program because the the, the basis of it is grass. So um, we've or yeah you know, or, or other fodder crops. So we we've really got to um, monitor what's available and then build a ration to suit. Uh, or, or build a supplementary feed to suit. So if you went back to uh, February at, at our property at Coleraine this year, well, there's, there's no feed at all. And and uh, even those that had some dry feed have probably had fairly low feed value as we got some summer rains and dry feed probably had no value or very little value. So pretty much whatever we were feeding uh, was, was the total diet. So... Um, under the Great Southern guidelines, the cattle can't be locked up in a traditional sense, but they, you know, they have to be free roaming and um, and have access um, you know, to to typical grazing conditions. But the feed we were giving them was pretty much their total diet. Now, if you just went forward from there, say uh, to April, we had a terrific break. Um, we had early feed. We still had some summer crops um, that were that were grazable and the the diet that we're to uh, present to our cattle uh, was changing because um, we're growing some fodder. So that's the it's a good example just from February to April how the, the not only the number of kilos of feed provided but just as importantly the nutrition of the supplementary feed that we're providing had to change to match the on-farm um, forage production. And that's 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 a great thing with with this program because um, the more on farm fodder you can produce, the ch- generally speaking, the cheaper you can you can feed your cattle. Um, but there are these other products available that can be used to ensure that you're still uh, maximising um, yeah, the performance of the cattle. Um, and then and then at the end game um, to hit the targets for the Great Southern. Um, uh, eating quality and, and carcass weight and so on at the abattoirs. 
tell me a little bit about Lockie, if you could, about the the balance between uh, your weight gain ambitions and and your grading ambitions, because they're not necessarily equal, are they? Well, no, they're not, and that's that's the two. They're obviously the two most important factors, like commercially and uh, from an economic perspective. Um, not so much just the rapid weight gain, but the cost of the weight gain is so important. So there's no point having your cattle putting on two kilos um, of weight per day if the cost to do so is more than the value of those two kilos. Uh, so so the cost of gain is a critical factor. So you know, I have people ring me and say, oh, my cattle are only putting on 1.6 kilos or 2.2 or 0.8 or whatever the case may be. The first question is, uh, what is your cost of gain? Um, and what's what's your target time, uh, from a timeline perspective? So, again, um, just to repeat myself, there's no point putting on two kilos of weight per day if that's costing you more than the value of, the, of those two kilos. But there's also no value in putting on 0.5 of a kilo a day uh, if, A, you missed the target market. So if, you've, if you intend to supply some cattle in, in March and you're feeding in January and they're only putting on 0.5 a kilo a day, well, they probably won't get to the required weight by March. And that leads me to um, the answer to the second part of your question, James, which is the the, the eating quality. So it's it's that the, although although they're two separate uh, requirements, um, one eating quality MSA score, the second one being um, the weight gain, the cost of the weight gain. Uh, there's it's obviously counterproductive if if the cattle are fed very very cheaply or low weight gain, um, get to a target weight, head off to be processed and they, and then fall out of the system because they don't grade well enough. So um, it's a that again is a balancing act, and um, it just comes down to ensuring that the, the the basic nutrition requirements are presented to the to the cattle to give them the best chance of of, uh, of growing as as quickly but as economically as possible. Uh, and also hitting those uh, those eating quality targets. Look, how do you work? So, if producers are listening and they they say, well, "Do you, you know we need a bit of that knowledge in our business?" How do you go? Are you available to people? Yep, I am. If you asked me that question a few months ago, I'd say they'd give me a call or send me a note, and I'd pop out and see them and go through the system, but unfortunately you can't pop out and see people these days. So um, um, right now in the middle of the coronavirus uh, pandemic, um, there seems to be a lot more time in my office on the telephone. Um, and then long term, I really try to get out on farm. So um, I'm available to great southern producers just to for a chat, for a general chat about what they're doing, um, um, all right through to doing rationing formulation and providing any, any required supplements. Quite often too, James, what happens in these circumstances is that um, I find that there aren't any supplements required just because there's enough on farm, um, particularly you know, in some of the, the key pasture growing areas. But it's it's just um, if I can assist um, great southern producers by just going through what is they're doing in, I guess, a check and balance to make sure that they are uh, presenting um, the right feed and the right quantities to to get the best result. So I'm easily contactable to anyone that would like to discuss uh, their feeding programs uh, and their, um, I guess their 
their targets in terms of uh, feeding in the off-season in particular. And I can be contacted just via the details on my website, which is uh, mckenzieag.com.au or um, quite simply lock, L-A-C-H, at mckenzieag.com.au. So, oh, there's, um, there's yeah. a good plug, Lockie. Well done. Yeah, if anyone wants to have a chat, give us a call. We can go through whatever. But I guess um, this might just lead me to another point, James, that I, it's important that I don't skip over. Um, I think it's very important for for anyone who's in the Great Southern program or thinking about supplying Great Southern with this um, certified or accredited beef, um, not only be thinking about the last whether it's 100 days or thereabouts of the finishing process to get the cattle to slaughter, you need to be thinking about this from the day the beast is a calf. So um, just with the requirements of Great Southern, the traditional calf meals go out the window. So we can't creep feed um, with with the usual canola meal, soybean meal, barley-based rations because they've got barley in them. Um, You know, you can't can't feed cereal hay that's been – that's been um, let mature and has um, and has you know oats set in the in the um, seed head of the plant. So these things need to be um, given consideration early in the piece. So Great Southern is not just about finishing the cattle towards the end. It's a it's a program basically from the day the calf the calf arrives uh, through until the day that it's processed. And um, the 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 nutrition changes along the way. Now fortunately um, the the early days is the easy bit because the the nutritional requirement of a weaner calf or a weaner um, is entirely different to when you're trying to actually fatten the calf quickly towards the end of the program to, to hit a certain target market. And we and traditionally with calf meals we're we're going to use more oil seeds and legumes anyway. So so that part's it's it's a little bit more straightforward, particularly um, if if there's a if there's autumn calving um, uh, producers, um, they'd be saying, "Well, what's the issue? We we run our ca- our calves on our cows. We don't wean them until um, until late the following season anyway." But spring calves are a bit different. So if for those that calved in uh, August, September, and then wean their calves in February, March, which is becoming more and more common. Those calves almost always need to need to be heavily supplemented because there just isn't enough feed in Feb, March, April in southern Australia to provide the nutritional requirements of the weaners. So I just make the point that if you're if you're listening and you're part of the program or you think about being part of the program, it's important you do consider um, the the nutrition for your calves just as much as when they're yearlings or two year olds and you're trying to finish them. Yeah, terrific, Lockie. Um, and, and not having any grass uh, at particular points of the year doesn't necessarily need to be a barrier to being part of the Great Southern Program, does it? Oh, no, it actually, it actually presents opportunity in some respects because mm. um, there's premiums available in the times of the year when there wouldn't traditionally be, be grass, fat and cattle available. So um, it's not quite as simple as... Great Southern is being able to source any amount of uh, grass, fat, and cattle over the spring because the the cattle have to come from farm assurance accredited property. So uh, people say, "Oh, well, in the in the spring there's heaps of available, and and um, and you know it's the, the country will be awash with grass, fat, and cattle." Well, in a good season that may be the case, but 
for them to fit into Great Southern's program, they need to be from an accredited property. Um, but the 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 opportunity is the premiums that are available in other times of the year than the spring, and particularly in a year like the one that's coming up, where where some of these supplements that we've been discussing are getting very very cheap on a if you if you take a long term view, like the 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 value of almond hulls, for example, is about thirty percent, twenty five to thirty percent of what it was twelve months ago. That's how far it's come back. Wow. Um, and similar with like, faber beans, traded well over a thousand dollars, and only only uh, not even eighteen months ago, and 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 feed beans are now under five hundred dollars a ton. Palm kernel meals well under three hundred dollars a ton now. So all these commodities have come back, and also high quality uh, fodder. Um, Vetch hay is trading you know, two hundred and sixty dollars a ton X farm for for for, for hay that's um, you know over ten megajoules of energy and has you know a higher protein content than twenty percent. Okay, it's it's traditionally very cheap, and that creates opportunity going into the off season to be able to um, present Great Southern with really well finished cattle um, at a high carcass weight, and it's very very lucrative. In a time of the year when most, um, I guess, your first thought will be, well, how am I going to do this if if I've got to be grass fattened? So the point I'm making is that there's opportunities um, year in, year out, but but particularly in a year like the one that's coming up where we've got um, a country that's got, you know, we're we're looking at a huge harvest, both hay um, and and, um, the the oil seeds, legumes that we were discussing earlier. Uh, The other thing probably worth mentioning, James, which is pretty exciting. Um, there's a there's an opportunity about to arise out of Horsham in Wimmera. Uh, there's a new factory being built. Um, it's a company called Australian Plant Proteins. Now, I think it's worth mentioning this. So I guess just for anyone who's interested in agriculture, it's, it's a fascinating story. But but more than that, it's a huge opportunity for anyone in the program. So Australian Plant Proteins. Um, have some technology which is very unique. Um, they're extracting the protein from faba beans. Now that, uh, extracting plant protein is not uncommon around the world, but it's usually mm. done with chemicals or gas. They've got some VIP on some heavily guarded technology which uses um, physical extraction to, to actually remove the protein from the faba beans. And that protein comes out as a very dry powder and it's used as, a, as an ingredient in food manufacturing. That's extremely highly sought after. Um, now, the, the exciting part for them is that um, plant protein from faba beans has uh, has very little um, um, allergen issues. So there's no, you don't get the lactose issues and, or lactose intolerance issues that can come from dairy-based proteins. You don't get the uh, some of the gluten issues from cereal-based protein, you know, from cereal extraction and that so on and so forth. And also it has no odour or taste. So soybean um, soybeans have been used for protein extraction around the world quite commonly and there's issues with with um, with the odour of the of the actual protein when it, of the, the, the finished product. So um, APP... Uh, uh, just about to embark on this um, this new venture where they'll be extracting the protein from the faba beans. 
that'll be being sold off at very high values for for um, human food consumption. And the byproduct, which is a bit I'm interested in, um, is an almost pure starch, which is not cereal based, and that's very very unique. Um, I, I haven't come across it before, and um, might be a stretch to say that it'll revolutionise feeding for Great Southern, but it's going to be a huge help because I said at the outset the um, the greatest challenge is finding um, the starch or the energy content of the rations when you can't use cereal grains. Well, here's a product where they get the beans, they take the, they take the shell and the hull off the bean off the fibre bean, so the fibre's gone. Then they extract all the protein, and pretty much all that's left is the starch. So um, the byproduct is uh, has a very high starch content. It's uh, almost 100% digestible. The energy level is very high compared to most feeds, and it's uh, it's going to be a very very useful product when we're formulating supplements for great southern cattle. And I, I really can't wait to have the first oat come out, which is imminent. So. Fantastic. Yeah, I was going to say, what's the timeline on that, Lockie? Yeah, it's just about to start. So it's going to start in uh, small quantities, but it's going to, you know, they've got lofty ambitions to to build this very quickly into into significant volumes. Um, I've caught up with um, them, with with the guys from APP uh, and some of the um, principal people at Great Southern, and we've organised to do some feed trials with the product up at uh, Yambinia Station near Barraboy. Um, so, yeah, it's on paper looks looks um, really fantastic, and, and I can't wait to get into these these feed trials just to see um, if the product works as well as as we expected to. Terrific, thanks thanks very much, Lockie. It's uh, you've been a delight to interview because you 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 are able to talk and uh, and and conduct the interview yourself pretty much. You, You've done this before, I reckon. I think it's probably one of those things that if you if you're really, uh, I hope I haven't spoken too much, but if you if Not you're really all. passionate and you and 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 you love your topic, it's very easy to talk and and uh, um, you know beef production and particularly um, uh, beef production with the with the um, controls around uh, around from Great Southern is is a real passion of mine. Yeah, terrific, Lucky. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks, James. Uh, uh, it's Lockie McKenzie from McKenzie Ag Services, based in Western Victoria, but, but all over Australia. That's been Grass Matters for this week. See you next time.